Welcome back to the Less is Less podcast. Today we're going to be delving into the topic of what constitutes inequality? What is it? How do we determine it? How do we define it? What are the statistics right here in America? Living conditions are vastly unequal between different demographics in our world today. And our individual stories tend to play out amidst these major global challenges and inequalities. And these circumstances largely in part determine how healthy, wealthy, and educated each of us will be in our own lives. Of course, our hard work and life choices matter. But according to the data, these may matter much less than we originally thought. In fact, Studies have shown that some of the biggest things over which we have no control, like where and when we were born, the circumstances in which we were born, the race, gender, nationality, or religion we belong to, have a large capacity to determine the economic conditions in which we will live our lives. Today's inequality, in my opinion, is a consequence of almost two centuries of unequal progress. Some communities and countries have seen dramatic improvements, while others not so much. The reality is, it's impossible to ignore the stark disparities of income and wealth that remain persistent in our society. And so as we continue the journey through yet another decade, these disparities only continue to widen more and more. But what exactly is inequality? Is it simply unfairness or maybe some having more than others? Well, according to scholars, it's a little bit more technical than that. There are three main types of economic inequality according to experts. Income inequality, pay inequality, and wealth inequality. Each of these, in a manner of speaking, are subcategories of the other. So think of this as sort of a Russian doll. There are layers. Let's start with pay inequality. Pay refers solely to payment from employment. So this could be your hourly wage, your monthly salary, or any form of annual payment. Pay inequality, therefore, describes the disparities that exist between the money that various individuals receive from their employer. So why is pay inequality on the rise? Well, for one, productivity has increased at a relatively consistent rate since 1948, but the wages of American workers have not. In fact, the wages of American workers have not kept pace with these rising productivity levels since the 1970s. According to the Economic Policy Institute, Hourly compensation has flatlined, increasing just 24% between 1979 and 2018. Worker productivity has increased 134% over the same time period. Then we have the gender pay gap. Men make up an overwhelming majority of the top earners across the United States, even though women now represent almost half of the country's workforce. And that's not all, considering the racial pay gap. Racial discrimination in many forms, including in education, hiring practices, and pay practices, also heavily contribute to persistent earning gaps. As of the last quarter of 2019, the median white worker made 28% more than the typical black worker, and more than 35% more than the median Latinx worker. So, frankly, some people simply get more money for doing the same exact job based on their race 
or their gender. And then there is income inequality. Income inequality is the extent to which income is distributed unevenly in a group of individuals. Income is not just the money received through pay, but all the money received from all your streams of income. So wages, salaries, bonuses, um, investments, interest on savings account, dividends from shares of stocks, state benefits, pensions, even rent. Measurement of income can be either on an individual or a household basis. Household income before tax that includes money received from the social security system is known as gross income. Household income after tax is known as net income. Income disparities are so pronounced that America's top 10% now average more than nine times as much income as the bottom 90%. America's top 1% average over 39 times more income than the bottom 90%, but that's pennies in comparison to the divide between the nation's 0.1% and everyone else. Americans at this lofty level are raking in over 196 times the income of the bottom 90%. Which brings us to wealth inequality. Wealth refers to the total amount of assets of an individual or household. So this might include financial assets such as stocks and bonds, property, inheritance, and private pension rights. Wealth inequality therefore refers to the unequal distribution of assets in a group of people. The most visible indicator of wealth inequality is probably the Forbes list. As of 2020, the three men at the top of the list, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, and Mark Zuckerberg, held combined fortunes worth more than the total wealth of the poorest 50% of Americans. But the plot thickens. The reality is, the rich don't just have more wealth than everyone else. The majority of their wealth comes from different sources, more lucrative sources. America's top 1% holds more than half the national wealth invested in stocks and mutual funds. One third of the billionaires in the world's wealth comes from inheritance. Most of the wealth of Americans at the bottom 90% comes from their homes. The main asset category that took the biggest hit during the Great Recession. These same Americans now hold almost more than three quarters of America's debt. But the wealth inequality divide still doesn't stop there. Studies have shown that home ownership is heavily skewed towards white families. A study conducted in 2016 showed that 72% of white families own their home, compared to just 44% of black families and 45% of Latinx families. These studies have further shown that the median black family, with just over $3,500, owns merely 2% of the wealth of the nearly $147,000 of the median wealth white families own. The median Latinx family, with just over $6,500 in wealth, owns merely 4% of the wealth of the median white family. I know that's a lot of numbers, but put simply, the median white family has 41 times more wealth than the median black family, and 22 times more wealth than the median Latinx family. In fact, studies have shown that Black and Latinx families are twice as likely to have zero wealth. Families that have zero or even negative wealth, which means the value of their debts exceed the value of their assets, they live on the edge, just one minor economic setback away from tragedy. But it still doesn't stop there. While inequality has steadily been on the rise right here in America, we are seeing the same phenomenon across the globe. While some countries have reduced the number of people living in extreme poverty, 
economic gaps have continued to grow as the richest of rich amass unprecedented levels of wealth. This phenomenon characterized by diminished economic opportunity and mobility in the face of rising inequality is referred to as the Great Gatsby Curve. Hundreds of protests have erupted across the globe over the past four years, contesting economic inequality with chants like, eat the rich, making a major comeback. But suffice to say, I think we're going to need a little bit more than knife and fork to fix this problem. This is Sabrina Newton. Thank you for tuning in to the Less is Less podcast. Thank you.